Welcome to Notes on Vulnerability, a podcast designed to put stories of resilience, courage and being human at the heart of the conversation. In each episode of this podcast, I'm speaking to regular people about their experiences with vulnerability. Everyone who comes on the podcast is being brave enough to talk about vulnerability and how it's had an impact on their life. Vulnerability isn't easy, whether that's physical vulnerability, emotional vulnerability, or just letting people see who you really are. It can feel frightening, intimidating, and sometimes it hurts. So why the hell would you want to do it? I can tell you as someone who went to great lengths to shut vulnerability out at every opportunity through most of my life, that it leads to missing out on a lot of good stuff if you're not willing to be open to vulnerability. It's also something that we all share. Everyone feels vulnerable. My hope in launching this podcast is that vulnerability becomes a topic that we can talk about more easily. And when it comes to actually being vulnerable, there's more of a sense that we're not alone. Before we kick off, I'm just going to outline the definition of vulnerability that we're using here today. So for our purposes, vulnerability is letting yourself be seen, stepping outside your comfort zone and into the unknown when you can't control what's going to happen next. In this episode, I'm talking to Hen and Claudia. They are two London friends, one from Wales and one originally from London, who together are the Wild Swim Girls. Take a look at their Instagram page of the same name and you'll see women and water. The page is dedicated to their mission to find places to Wild Swim wherever possible. Although they describe themselves as total amateurs, there's obviously a passion for wild water and capturing how it makes you feel that has turned them into more than that. And it's also created some pretty inspiring images. If you want to wild swim and you need some inspiration or motivation to get started, these are the women to follow. So, Hen, Claudia, welcome. What an amazing introduction. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) I love that. Can we steal that for our page? (laughs) But let's start with a bit of background. How did you two find each other and the water? Um, Okay, so we first started wild swimming as a complete accident. I think it was four years ago. Um, Claudia and I knew each other through our kind of partners at the time. um, And we both found ourselves at the same time in between jobs with a few months off. And it was the middle of the summer. Um, So we were kind of just kicking around a little bit. And... um, Claudia had seen in Time Out magazine that it was the time to pick the Black Breeze on Hampstead Heath. And she said, why don't we just try and go to the ponds? Because I'd lived in London for a really long time and I'd never been. So it was like the most disgustingly grey, rainy September afternoon. And we just made it along to the ponds and we had our first ever wild swim. And we just couldn't believe what was happening. Like at the time, it was just we were both in this like really strange juncture in our lives where we were between these two. We both left really horrible jobs. We both lived in London and we wanted a bit more kind of outdoor space and time. We both really craved the natural world and just weren't getting anywhere near enough of it. And we found this little space in the centre of London that we could just get all of that. It was like just being given this incredible gift and we just swam around in the cold And we absolutely loved it. And we decided to go back a few times. But then we just found this like group of amazing women that were swimming there all the time. And we just felt like such heroes because we were swimming in 15 degrees centigrade in the middle of September and acting like we were just such she warriors. And then there were these 80 year old women just breezing past us in bikinis. And we were like, we are not as cool as we think we are. And So we just found out from these incredible women that 
they swim all year round and they don't complain about it and they just get it done and it's so good for your mental health and your physical physical well-being and so we just made a pact like as we hit October we made a pact that we were gonna as we restarted our new jobs we were gonna go once a week all the way through that winter just to see if we could do it and we never because at the 6am starts we knew that we couldn't let the other one have got out of bed for nothing so we made it we we didn't let it stop all winter and then when we came out the other side and it was spring we just couldn't believe how much better we felt about so many elements of our lives and mental well-being that we just never ever stopped and it was kind of an accident really but a bit of a revelation for both of us that first year was um beast from the east wasn't it so i think it certainly was like a baptism of fire because i don't think we'd originally gone that first time and thought that we would end up swimming through the whole winter but yeah the more we did it the more kind of enticing it seemed but yeah, we definitely had a couple of swims where the pond was like completely frozen over and they would just break the ice on a little bit and we'd be able to swim in this tiny hole where the ice was broken. So yeah, it was quite a winter to start on, wasn't it? Yeah, it was cool. I remember at the end of the winter, the lifeguards at the female pond, she was saying like that in the 10 years that she'd been a lifeguard there, they hadn't had a winter that bad. And if you could swim through that winter, you could swim through anything. And we were like, Yes. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> were you were you guys in swimsuits the whole time? Yeah, so we um the first winter we didn't wear uh, gloves and boots. We just wore swimsuits. Um because the lifeguards were saying it really helps you acclimatize to the the cold, but also helps um you know your limits. So I think wear your hands and feet if you if you protect them with gloves and boots. Um, sometimes you can stay in too long because you you can't, I guess, your extremities, they, they really tell you like, how cold you are. So, yeah, we did the first winter without uh, boots and gloves. But then I think it was the second or maybe the third year that we invested in them. And they are a game changer. Um, they can they certainly help you like keep in longer and it's easier to get in with them. Um, but, yeah, we've always said we'd probably recommend at least the first year trying to do it without so that you can really acclimatise to the cold and get used to it. It does sound yeah. like like quite an extreme way to get into it or quite quite committed to do that, especially during that extreme weather. I know that, I don't know if you read um, Wim Hof, Wim Hof, um, he says that regularly dipping in cold water sort of shakes your perception of what's possible in the rest of your life too. And you've sort of touched on that a little bit, but how did you feel after that first year other than Heroes? So um, from a personal perspective, we, I felt like when we, when we started that journey together, we were both kind of, it wasn't just about the cold swimming for us. We were both actually having therapy for um, different kind of background issues that we were experiencing during the time. And so we were kind of going through that journey alongside one another as well. And then we were also having these amazing like walks across the heath in the mornings together where we like, just had this great opportunity to kind of chat and catch up and share things that were going on in our lives. And to add to that, the kind of impact of the cold swimming um, was really profound. Like that first winter, I don't think either of us got a cough or a cold for the whole winter. And um, I basically feel that I've been so much healthier from like an immunology perspective ever since. But in terms of like the effects that it has on your health, I'd say the more profound impact is 
the the, um, the changes to your mental health. They say that when you expose yourself to a kind of low level shock, which is essentially what you're doing when you put yourself into cold water, it helps to balance out the chemicals in your brain, which means that when you experience small shocks in your day to day life, your brain is much better at modulating those shocks, which means that you can deal with stress and strain in your everyday life so much better. And I think that for me has been like one of the most kind of powerful revelations about the swimming outside of just being fit and healthy, being outdoors, getting fewer colds, I actually feel more equipped to deal with stresses in everyday life because of what we do once a week in a freezing cold hole in the ground. <laughs> what about you, Claudia? Yeah, it does set you up for the day, doesn't it? Like if we went before work, getting up at six in the morning and like you said, trekking across the heath, uh, sometimes we'd get like an amazing sunrise and then you get in the water and you just feel so incredible. When you get out, you feel like you can do anything afterwards. And I remember after I started my new job, uh, telling them about it and people obviously think you're absolutely nuts, but they could tell the days where I've been swimming. I come into work like skipping and they say, have you been swimming this morning? Because you just have this different glow about you and it's just it is the most incredible way to start the day for sure and even though I think both of us would swim any time of day I think we both feel like a particular like sunrise is a particularly special time and maybe because it reminds us of when we first started and like you said everything we were going through it it feels quite special but I think a lot of people within swimming say that there's something really special about starting your day like that yeah I definitely agree with that So, I mean, we're kind of talking about this, you know, about the very positive side and how it makes you feel. But what we're not really tackling is actually putting a warm body into freezing cold water first thing in the morning. How does it feel to make your body so physically vulnerable? Yeah, I I struggle with this one. I feel like Hen and I are maybe a little bit different in this respect in that I really struggle to get in and I still feel like that. I still find it incredibly hard. I just know how amazing I'm going to feel on the other side. And there are there are certain days where um, I'd really rather not get in, but I'd, I just know I'm going to feel better, so I have to do it. I, I'm definitely that person who's, like, clinging on to the steps, <laughs> like, inching myself into the water. Um, as with, yeah, Hen, Hen definitely, like, gets straight in there. I think it's just a diff... We just have slightly different reactions to the same thing, like... I think you you kind of you buy the uh, the, the deal in your brain by telling yourself how yeah. good you're going to feel afterwards, and that's like what enables you to to push yourself through that kind of vulnerable feeling. Whereas I think for me, I just I don't even give it that much thought. I just am determined that that's what I'm going to be doing right now, and I don't don't tend to barter with myself about how I'll feel afterwards. I just know that I've got all that way and that I'm just going to do it. So I'd kind of rather just get it done, which is how I feel about it most mornings when it happens. But I think there's like a massive, there's a massive thing around the vulnerability because when you're swimming in the ponds in London, it's one thing you're kind of up against the potential cold and having to plunge a warm body, as you say, into cold, icy water. But when you're swimming, not in the ponds, in a more kind of wild body of water, there's also a lot more, um, there's a lot more factors that you have to be aware of, like currents and what actually is going to be under your feet and what it's going to be like when you're in there. And and if there's going to be strong currents and what the conditions and what the weather is like, and is it windy? And there's so many other things that can make you feel vulnerable that I think trudging to the ponds in London 
early in the dark on a workday morning, it doesn't make me feel as vulnerable as, as when I'm up against those other conditions that I've kind of just mentioned. So I find it easier to just allow myself to, to get in and get it done than I would if I was somewhere more wild, I think. Yeah, it's so true. I feel like that. I think Hampstead Ponds is probably our like happy place and our safe place. And we go there every week and we feel like so comfortable there now. But yeah, I definitely feel more vulnerable going to somewhere new, like somewhere that you hadn't swam before. And as you mentioned, I guess that whether you're in the sea or in a river, you've got so many other things to contend with. Um, but I, I grew up by the sea, so I always feel really comfortable in the ocean, I guess, in the same same way that I do in the ponds. I always feel like whatever sea you're in, it, it always feels like part of the same sea to me, even if even if it's, you know, somewhere completely different. As with I'm much more nervous in rivers, they always feel much more unknown and every river I go to feels so different. And I have to say, even in the summer, if I swim in a river, I always keep my boots on because I'm a bit weird about stepping on the ground and what's underneath it. And I don't really want like mud between my toes and people talk about eels and things. And I'm like, yeah, no thanks. But the sea, I'll just get straight in uh, any conditions. But yeah, again, I guess that's because I grew up there. It's like my comfort zone and I feel I feel quite content there to just jump straight in. I think we're opposite in that sense that I grew up near rivers on the Thames in Marlow and I feel exactly the opposite to Claudia. Like the sea, I find much more intimidating and the rivers I know that I can just stay I know which areas I can stay in to stay, to stay safe and stuff. But I think as well, having the page, we started the page because we wanted to stop spamming our friends and family on our regular Instagrams with all of our newfound hobby, which we, they weren't necessarily going to be interested in at all. So we thought, we'll start this page. And then it kind of, like, we, we found this amazing community of like-minded people and one of the reasons why I like the page is that it makes me want to swim everywhere I go and it makes me want to find new places and explore or explore areas in a, in a different way. Because you want to find cool photos and find nice spots and, and challenge yourself to go to new and, and different places. But at the same time, I think that has been a bit of a worry to some of our kind of friends and family that they're a bit like, how far are you going to be pushing this? Like how what's this page going to make you start doing like are you going to start going on more and more dangerous swims and putting yourself in in like risky situations just to try and get a photo but it's not really about that for us like it was always about the swimming and I think we we accept that there's quite a high level of vulnerability when you put yourself in any wild swimming situation and it's just a risk that we're kind of willing to take, a trade-off that we are happy to make. And like we said, even though we feel like the, the ponds are our safe place, and they are, like, we feel so safe and comfortable there. But at the same time, you know, bad things do happen sometimes. And there have been accidents at the pond, and there have been people, even regular swimmers, who've unfortunately ended up kind of losing their, their lives in the ponds. And so... We have to accept and acknowledge that there's always going to be a level of risk when you are plunging your body into an icy, cold lake, no matter how fit and healthy you think you are. So, But maybe there's a little bit of exhilaration there that makes us feel like it's fun and it's on the edge and it's a bit dangerous. How do you pick the places that you're going to swim when you're sort of diversifying from Hampstead Ponds? I think 
think it's probably a mixture of if we're going somewhere, we'll always look for a swimming spot rather than always the other way around. As with, I think now, sometimes if we're going on holiday, we will purposely pick someone that we know has amazing swimming or new spots to, for us to discover. But yeah, for me, it's it's definitely if I, if I know I'm going somewhere, I'll actively seek out somewhere to swim. Um, and pre kind of COVID and lockdown, I was working in Sweden probably half the time, so splitting my time between Sweden and London. Um, and then for so some weeks, obviously, Hen and I couldn't swim together. So I thought it'd be a great idea to try and find some places in Sweden. And yeah, probably had one of my most vulnerable moments, I'd say, in I think it was February this year, where through the Instagram page had met some people who lived in Stockholm and swam there and had said, come and join us for a swim next time you're here. And I kind of didn't didn't think twice about it. I was meeting them at 6am at this marina. And then when I'd explained it to a friend, they're like, they're like okay, so you've, you've met strangers off the internet and you're getting up at 6am to go and swim in a marina that's two degrees <laughs> And then you're going to go to work at nine o'clock. And I was like, oh, when you put it like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess that relates back to the, the vulnerable moments that we were just talking about. And funny enough, that's probably the only time that I've ever stayed in the water a little bit too long uh, and had some kind of hypothermic symptoms when I got out. I've never really felt that here. I'm always quite cautious and I know my limits and, and try not to stay in too long. Uh, but yeah, that morning I did I did stay in a bit too long and I always remember shivering on this marina thinking, I wonder if my work insurance covers this, <laughs> thinking I'll end up in some hospital now and they'll be like, so what were you doing? And then I'll have to try and explain to work the, the whole like strangers marina uh, situation. But yeah, I guess, I guess that's an example of somewhere I visit regularly that I'll actively try and find somewhere. somewhere. I think as well... Sorry to interrupt you there, Glads. Like, I agree with what you say, that we we always try and find somewhere to swim wherever we happen to be going. But at the same time, I often feel like it's really sweet that people tell us that we that some of the pictures that we post inspire them to try new places because we feel exactly the same about other people and we feel constantly inspired by the swimming community that we've kind of connected with and the places that they go to. And I sat through the whole of lockdown watching the people in Cornwall just having the best time. And when I was planning a staycation with my husband, I was like, right, <laughs> we're going there because I'd just seen these incredible swim spots and I really wanted to make a holiday around somewhere where, where I knew that I could swim loads. So that was an example of kind of when I'd tried to shoehorn a holiday around <laughs> specific swims. But it turns out when I got there that I found these really amazing tidal pools, but they're quite a well-kept secret in Cornwall. So I couldn't get anybody to really share the proper locations with me. So I did a lot of research by myself, which included looking on kind of um, Google Earth to try and actually look for the bodies of water on the satellite images and stuff and get the coordinates. And I am not a rock climber. And <laughs> like I just found myself one lunchtime scaling a rock face in regular trainers with a massive heavy bag on my back and um, I ended up having to bail into the sea with all my clothes on 
because I got myself into a situation that I couldn't get out of except to fall off. And uh, it was, I actually felt for the first time in a really long time, like physically incredibly scared of the situation that I put myself in. Nobody else knew that we were there. No, like there wouldn't have been anybody that could have helped us if it had gone really wrong. And I do remember thinking like, what the hell am I doing here? Like I'm completely unqualified for this. But in the end, it ended up being all right. But there was a definite sense of fear that I had on that particular day. Um, so yeah, it, it, you do have to watch out for it because sometimes you can put yourself in a situation that you just didn't anticipate. I was going to ask if you had any scary moments, but obviously that does sound pretty terrifying. I mean, I don't know what's more terrifying, that or Claudia's six <laughs> in the dark with a load of strangers. It is Can amazing. I just say they're absolutely lovely and every time I go <laughs> and I swim with them, I've made it sound like I met a bunch of random strangers, but I didn't. They're two really lovely women who, as I said, we connected with on, on Instagram and yeah, um, yeah, I've been back quite a few times since and swam with them. So hopefully on the other side of this, I'll be back in Sweden. Yeah. I think in terms of scary moments, when you do do your first winter, and I think it's amazing that wild swimming is becoming such a big sport in the UK. I've spoken to so many swimmers in the last couple of months who are just starting on their first winter swims and they're going to try and go all the way through for the first time, which I think is amazing and inspiring. But I think... We'd be lying if we said that we didn't feel frightened during our swims that first winter. Like Claudia mentioned earlier, we didn't have gloves and boots because we really wanted to listen to our bodies telling us what was going on. And what your body is telling you is like, to fucking get out. (laughs) (laughs) When you do go your first winter, it is hard to try and push those thoughts aside and carry on. And it does frighten you, but you kind of as long as you do it with support of people around you and we're lucky that the ponds have a really supportive community of people who can advise us, then I think that can help to limit the level of kind of fear that you have. But it's a frightening thing, especially on a bleak winter morning in the dark, plunging in there. Um, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. I think lots of people are really nervous at the moment as well, where we've been locked down. Obviously the ponds have been closed. And like Hen said, where people are trying to do their first winter the fear of now not being acclimatised. And I think the water was about 12 degrees when we got locked down, but it's about eight at the moment. So it's dropped down into single figures. And I think you do kind of feel the difference going from 12 to eight. And personally, I don't think there's a huge difference between eight and two. Like once you get to eight, it's cold. And if you can do eight, then you can then you can go all the way. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely been... Uh, some nervousness we've noticed online amongst the swimming community about how they're going to climatise or how easy it's going to be to get back in the water next week when the ponds reopen. Um, And I guess it depends on what you've got available to you as to how you can stay acclimatised. I've actually mentioned uh, Wim Hof earlier. I've been doing his cold shower challenge. (laughs) So I'm on um, day... I can't remember what day I'm on, but I'm in week four. So I'm up to a minute now. So I've been trying to stay acclimatised with that. I don't, it's not necessarily the same as, as getting in the cold water, but it's it's the closest thing to it. Do you find yourself, because I've been doing the, the cold water, the cold showers challenge in the morning as well. And 
I find it difficult. I never really want to do it. And then I get under there. And this morning I did an extra 20 seconds because I didn't want to get out. Yeah, it's funny some days. I think it depends, doesn't it? Like, you know, what type of sleep you've had or where you are in your cycle. I think all those kind of things massively affect how you feel when you get in the water. The one thing I would say is I hated the idea of cold showers before and then just thought I'm going to have to get used to it with this month because I need to stay acclimatised. And I can't believe that I didn't look at his technique before because I think before now I was just trying to like throw myself under, like plunge myself in, which is complete, well, not not the wrong way to do it, but it, it just didn't work for me and I couldn't get used to it. Um, but his technique is obviously to put your hands and feet in first. So you start to acclimatise and you start to get used to the cold water and then you start really slowly going from one shoulder to the next shoulder um, and then you kind of get underneath. So I think watching that video was a bit of a revelation for me and I was yeah gutted that I hadn't necessarily watched it before because maybe I would have gotten to cold showers sooner. But yeah, I've seen it now and it's been a massive help to me. There is also something about the breathing, isn't there? There's Because when I first had cold showers, I was holding my breath because I was cold. <laughs> and I just wanted it to be over. Uh, and then I heard uh, a podcast with him talking about it, saying how you, you have to breathe through it because that's really the whole point. Um, and that made a huge difference to me. Do you find that as well? Yeah, big, big deep breaths for the cold showers. But I'd say the same for our swimming as well. We be- definitely both do... Um, big deep breaths as we get in and continue that as we get into the water I think in the beginning it's quite common for people to lose their breath as Hen mentioned about the shock I think it can quite easily take your breath away so it's really important to keep keep breathing throughout. In terms of the practical side of things you kind of touched upon it being in a natural environment whether it's the sea or the river even hamster ponds to a certain extent you can't take anything for granted what practical tips could you give people to overcome the feeling of fear about doing it, but also to gradually acclimatise and not get into trouble? Oh, I think there's like two separate issues there. The first one is like the tips and tricks on kind of how to acclimatise, which are, you know, are easier to do. Um, but the first one is the the kind of mental barrier of getting in and getting it done. And like I was, um, I was actually watching a TED talk about anxiety a while back and uh I watched this talk from this lady who said that the best way to deal with situations like that is to just do it badly she was like if you're if you're procrastinating and you can't make yourself do something and you're just overthinking it and you're frightened just know that you can just put yourself in that situation for maybe not as long as you wanted to or just for a little bit just do it badly and then it's a way of kind of getting over that initial thought process I was going to ask you um about um, when you, I've seen, I saw on your Instagram that you were swimming, um, is it Cyprus? Or, yeah. Were you on your own? Because one of the questions I was going to put to you is whether, how you felt about swimming alone. And then I thought maybe she wasn't on her own, actually. Like. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I went on holiday on my own. I was really lucky. I found that gap uh, when you could get away. So I managed to get away for five days. Uh, and it was honestly one of the best holidays of my life. I think it it's because it felt like such a treat and such a break away from everything, I guess, that's going on at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I went for five nights um, and I did take, uh, I thought I took my camera tripod with me, but when I got there, I realised it was a bicycle pump. So <laughs> that was handy for taking photos. 
But luckily, I've got a waterproof case now, so I could take some photos in the sea. Uh, but yes, I think there is something about being on your own. I think you feel vulnerable as a woman traveling on your own anyway. Um, but yeah, I guess silly things played on my mind, like when uh, I was swimming in the sea and you have to leave all your stuff there and there's no one else to kind of watch it. There's little things like that, I think, that play on your mind more than, I guess, than if you were traveling with somebody. Um, but I did actually meet, meet a local who... Uh, insisted on showing me round. So on the last day, I actually went round with a local who took me to all the amazing secret beaches. I guess like Hen was saying about Cornwall, where you need the local advice. This was this was the same. I had kind of a tour guide that took me round uh, and also took some great photos. So yeah, I can't claim to have taken all those photos on my page uh, myself. But yeah, I would recommend to anyone who's not sure about going on holiday on their own, I think it can feel like quite a big deal. And we had quite a few messages afterwards of people asking me how I felt about traveling on my own. And I would 100% recommend it. If it's a chance of going away on your own, or not going away at all, then just do it. I mean, all the photos on your Instagram are beautiful and very inspiring. And I feel like they have just the right balance of like you're being just you're just being yourselves basically um you're not trying to cater to like the male gaze so you're not trying to be sort of super sexy or you're not trying to eliminate that from you know the equation altogether so how do you approach taking the photos and do, how do you feel about being on instagram in your swimsuits i find this a really really interesting question and topic in general because to claudia's earlier point about feeling vulnerable on your own there's also the kind of big elephant in the room which is that you're basically wearing next to nothing wherever you decide to go while swimming which quite often is in Hampstead Ponds which is a dedicated spot for doing that but also if you're in a spot which is not necessarily a dedicated traditional swim spot then you might be wearing next to nothing and you might be the only person and there might be a lot of normal people around you watching you and you feel incredibly exposed and a little bit of a spectacle at times because quite often if we swim somewhere really cold people will watch from the shore and then as you get in and out they'll applaud or clap or make gestures or something and you feel so self-conscious sometimes because you're stood there not wearing very much and you feel I personally don't really enjoy being really the center of attention in that way and I quite often, when I go with friends and family, like I, I have a policy where you can only come swimming with us if you're actually going to get in because it's not a spectator sport. Like I'm not here to be like voyeured at by other people. Like if you want to come and swim with me, come and swim with me, but don't come and laugh at me and walk from the shore and judge me on how long I'm in for or how crazy I am because that's not what it's about for us. Like we try to capture just candid photos of ourselves when we are really in the spirit of it or if the scenery is really amazing and we kind of feel a little bit like we're the smallest part of the photo like it's more about showing people where you can swim and how we did it and the beauty of the scene and if we capture a really happy expression it's not about our own trying to sort of sell our own faces or bodies it's more about trying to convey the emotion and the experience that we had in that moment. And I think, I don't know if you agree with that, Claudia, but that's definitely how I see it. And unfortunately, we do have nipples 
and there's nothing <laughs> that we can do about that. <laughs> Maybe there's nothing unfortunate about that. Nipples are great. Like. <laughs> if they end up in a shot, then, I mean, we never ever Photoshop anything on our pictures. So, like, that is exactly how it was at the time. And if there's a nipple out, then sue us. <laughs> Well, this is the problem like with any pages like this, isn't it? Because it is just a female body and, you know, it's it's not your fault that that gets sexualized. How do you take the photos? Because I know that when we talked before this podcast, you mentioned that it's not as effortless as it looks. So how, how do you capture them? I think it depends on the photos. Uh, some Some are probably more effortless than others. Uh, so as Hen mentioned in the, the story about Cornwall, some of them are definitely trickier to get. And as we said, some of them are just more candid. So it's just a great snap that comes out on the day. We've got kind of different approaches to it because I really, I really, really am passionate about photography as well as the swimming side of it. So I've kind of invested in a GoPro and, and I like to try and take kind of creative underwater things and I'm also lucky lucky or unlucky to have a husband (laughs) (laughs) who's almost always on holiday with me so it's much easier for me to get things and in fact there's a picture of little video of me in a tidal pool in Cornwall which my husband had to scale like a 50 foot rock face in order to take um, and you can basically see him at the end, like you see the video wobble as he's like blowing around in the wind on the top of this mountain. Um, but I think we've just got different approaches and it depends. Sometimes we swim off the cuff, like we weren't planning it and we just are on a walk and we see this amazing swim spot. And then we try and snap a photo on our iPhone. But if we know that we're going somewhere more than that, then I'll normally kind of take my GoPro and but, but even when I try and think about what kind of photos I'd like to get, they never end up turning out how I thought they would. And the photo that I put on Instagram is 100% of the time not the photo that I went to that location aiming for. It'll be something different or random that captured in a different way or something that I didn't expect. And I really like that because you never know what you're going to find because the conditions are always so different. I find now if I'm ever going on a country walk, uh, I've always got my swimsuit on underneath. So sometimes, like Hen said, we're not even planning to go swimming, but then you see a pool of water. Sometimes it's just a big puzzle and you're like, yeah, I could get in that. (laughs) But um, there were some pictures, I think, from uh, like January this year, I'd gone on a country walk with some friends and it was somewhere near Bristol. And we did pass a pond, but there were fishermen there and they tend to get a bit angry if you get in the water. So... I managed to find a little waterfall around the corner and it was one of the coldest days of the year. I think it was like minus two. And my friends were like, you are not going to get in that waterfall. And I was like, I've got my swimsuit on underneath and I don't think they believed me, but I took my clothes off and I did have my my swimsuit underneath. So yeah, like Hen said, some of them are probably more impromptu. Like that, there, to be honest, those waterfall pics, I think are some of my favourite photos that I've taken on there and they were completely unplanned and impromptu. Um, and I'm probably slightly more awkward. So sometimes if I try and plan things, that comes across. <laughs> so I probably try and, yeah, like plan mine less because, yeah, I'm, yeah, more awkward. <laughs> 
In terms of um, obstacles to getting in the water, let's talk about getting your hair wet. I don't mind getting my hair wet, but it's tricky. I guess sometimes we have to think about if we're swimming in Hampstead and then both going off to work in the morning, the facilities there are quite rustic. So there's no um, hair dryers or anything. So sometimes it's not practical to put your head under if you've got to run off to a meeting uh, like within the next hour. But again, that probably goes back to, I think, where we are and how comfortable we feel. I love putting my head under in the sea. It's the first thing I do the minute I get in the sea. Yeah, in a river, I would probably be more cautious about doing that if it wasn't somewhere that I hadn't swam before. I feel like there can also be, I find like little areas of judgment across the swimming community as well, where people feel like, oh, if you're not swimming in skins, you're swimming in a wetsuit, then you're not doing it properly. Or if you don't put your head under, you're not as as proper, you're not a proper swimmer like the people that put their head under and do breathing. And I think Claudia and I, we pride ourselves on just doing the best we can on the day that we happen to find ourselves swimming. And like Claudia mentioned earlier, sometimes you're more tired, depends when you are on your cycle, you might have had some glasses of wine the night before, you might have to go to a really important meeting. And so we just feel that getting up and getting in is the most important thing, whatever that looks like, however long it's for, if you put your head under or you don't, just whatever you feel like doing on the day is good enough. And to be honest, I don't feel that putting my head under feels any better or worse than when I don't. It's just completely subjective and depends on so many kind of other factors. But we never stand for any judgment on those topics. <laughs> yeah, it's whatever you feel like on the day, isn't it? Yeah. And you still get the same sort of impact from just doing what your body needs. Yeah, well, they they published some um, scientific findings over the summer um, which I, I can't remember which university they came out from, but it basically was a study on prevention of dementia using, um, and they did a, a study on cold water swimmers from the Serpentine Lido. Um, and they found that people who were had regular exposure to cold water had the presence of a certain protein, which has a neuroprotective role and can prevent against dementia in older age. And it was like this breakthrough study that they um, they had. But um, that study specifically focused on swimmers who were putting their face in the water. And they say that if you put your face in, you get the most significant benefits in terms of um, reduction in inflammation versus people who aren't putting their heads in the water. But I think it depends what you're doing it for. If you're doing it for that specific health benefit, then by all means, I guess, follow follow the scientific guidelines that have come out. But if you're just doing it to kind of have a swim and a catch up with your friend and be in nature for a little bit of time and get some headspace, then it doesn't matter if you do or you don't from, from my perspective. Cold water swimming is really being championed as a mental health, as a sort of a way to support better mental health at the moment. Why do you think it matters in that context? Um, I think it matters in that context because I can from personal experience that I feel subjectively that it has really improved my mental health and my ability to kind of focus and deal with stresses in my everyday life. I know there is a growing body of scientific evidence that speaks on that in terms of your brain's ability to adapt to cold water over time and how that can impact 
different gene expression and changes to the proteins within your brain and your hormone levels and your blood. Um, I'd have to find some articles on that that I could cite because I, I don't have that kind of backlog in my head. But from a personal perspective, I can fully vouch <laughs> for all of those findings, although it hasn't prevented me from get, getting dementia yet. But fingers crossed that it will. Actually, when we started, there definitely wasn't any scientific evidence because people always used to ask that and ask what the data was. And when we started, it was it was purely anecdotal. Um, but I think the fact that everybody says the same thing, that everybody we know who does it re- regularly feels the same benefits, and as Hen said, we've both felt those ourselves, it's, it's hard to argue with that. So has the, um, has the cold water swimming or wild swimming... I know there's a crossover between the two, but has doing this changed how you feel about vulnerability? I think it's definitely changed uh, how I feel about what I'm able to achieve. So going back to what I was saying about feeling like you can achieve anything or conquer anything or being that amazing start to the day, I think I feel less vulnerable in that I'm not afraid to try things. You feel... I guess, more fearless. Isn't that a weird thing to happen just from getting in cold water? It is, but it's it's amazing. And like I said, everybody who does it says exactly the same thing. Yeah. The thing I love about it as well is that, I mean, not to give away our ages, um, which I'm sure you guess is much younger than they are, um, but we, <laughs> I never ever grew up thinking that I would like to plunge myself into cold water as a hobby when I was older. And then because we just found it so organically as a hobby um, and we just took to it so much, it was just so satisfying to feel that at our ages, in our kind of mid-30s, that we could experience and try something completely new for the first time that we never thought we would. And also not only could we try it, but we could also be quite good at it. And so I think... That is something really wonderful about wild swimming is that it doesn't matter. You don't need any kit. You don't have to be wealthy to do it. You don't have to have a really high level of fitness to try and start. Like it it just requires your body and a mindset and some water and you can give it a go anywhere. And like, it's amazing to put yourself in that situation and surprise yourself at the age that, that we are to have kind of surprised myself with a physical ability that I never knew I had was actually quite a special thing, I thought. And I know you mentioned that you don't need any special kit, but other than the gloves and the boots, is there anything else you think that people can get to make it easier or more enjoyable? So uh, definitely a friend helps if you can get one of those. I would say for me... Uh, having someone to go with like we said not just about being accountable and the fact that you know if one of us didn't go the other one couldn't so it drove us both to go but actually having someone there for safety uh, I would say would be one of the key things we've both got a tow float as well and again if you're in unknown waters it means um, you've always got a float there but it's also great like if you just want a rest I'm not particularly great over long distances I'm more about cold water and being in nature as opposed to um, swimming long distances so for me the toe flow uh, is definitely helps to make me feel less nervous in unknown water 
Uh, and then we've both got some river shoes as well, which, like I said, sometimes I just wear the boots instead. But that helps me when getting into waters when I don't really know what's on the bottom uh, to make me feel a bit safer. But other than that, I don't think there's really any other kit that you that you would need. I usually sort of end this podcast by asking people to come up with one note on vulnerability. Probably should have prepped you in advance for that. Sorry. <laughs> I guess, like, for me, like, it's, it all kind of comes back to that, like, doing it badly, but just doing it anyway. Like, there are always going to be just so many things that you feel vulnerable about in a situation like wild swimming. But if you can just push yourself enough to just get in just to do a little bit you know you don't have to set yourself a big target you don't have to go for a long time you don't have to put your head under you don't have to do things by other people's standards if you can just push through and do it badly but actually have got in and got something done then I think that's a massive achievement and that's what I try to focus on when I think about vulnerability is just doing my best effort rather than what other people feel is worthy um, and that's how I how I get past most of my mental barriers on the subject. Do you want to add anything, Claire? Uh, I don't think so. I think, yeah. No, I don't think I could say it better. I think you've kind of covered it. Sounds good. Okay, well, thank you both so much for coming and chatting about this. It's been a really interesting podcast. Thanks for having us. <laughs> thank you so much. If you'd like to find out more about wild swimming, I'd highly recommend that you follow the Wild Swim Girls on Instagram. Their page is at Wild Swim Girls. Cold water swimming tends to be one of those activities that's best done with other people, not just because of the safety aspect, but the social accountability too. If you've got someone waiting for you to get into the water at 6am, you're much more likely to get out of bed than if it's just for you. There are loads of groups around the UK that you can join to go and experience wild swimming and cold water swimming for the first time. Check out the Mental Health Swims Instagram accounts to see if there's one near you. And as I've also been a cold water swimmer now for just over a year, if you do have any questions, feel free to message me via the notes on Vulnerability Instagram page.